This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, Jimmy, out along with Paul Stone talking some college basketball. We're coming down the stretch. It's, uh, I guess it's championship week for a lot of the smaller conferences. The last week of the regular season for the big boys. Paul, how you doing? Hope you're not like me. Michigan State on Saturday and, well, TCU minus three and a half last night with the uh, the three at the buzzer for the Texas Longhorns to backdoor it. I'll tell you, basketball, especially if you started uh, betting college basketball back on the opening night, uh, November 7th, uh, almost, uh, I guess, four months in, in the background at this point, you're going to get a lot, of, uh, a lot of ups and downs. I always say, you know, ups and downs, highs and lows ebbs and flows is how it goes. And there's just uh, <laughs> so many games like that. I mean, we can look back on uh, three or four games uh, that where a team had a huge lead and, and blew that lead or, you know, up by 12 with a minute to go and those types of things. Uh, we tend to remember the ones that, uh, that didn't go our way. We probably much more easily forget the ones that did. Hey, uh, no question. No question. Hey, Paul, that Michigan State-Iowa game, is that the toughest beat of the season? Gosh, it's, you know, I, I kind of always am looking forward, Jimmy, but it, it's got to be. I wasn't involved in the game, so I didn't have to feel the, uh, uh, you know, just the uh, incredible uh, negative letdown there if you had a, a ticket on Michigan State. I mean, that was the uh, correct side, clearly, and just uh, the, the three-pointers that I was running at the end. I, they hit five in a row to close the game, maybe in the last minute yeah. and a half. Yeah. Uh, yeah. just, just incredible shooting and everything had to come off just right. And then you, you go to overtime and we know what happens to, to underdogs quite often in overtime. So, man, that's got to be a top two or three. But uh, maybe Scott Van Pelt can do a, <laughs> do a review for you and we can figure out maybe the top uh, five or ten worst Well, of the, 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 the folks on Twitter and uh, it, was, uh, it, was, it was floating around as one of the biggest wins in not, you know, it's, I, I, I guess, I guess um, you know, people, uh, people like this is therapy to just get it out <laughs> so, because I've talked about it uh, enough this week. But the thing is, the one that they talk about the, you know, 10 point lead with a minute to go and things like that, the win probability, all that. We know that. But the one that gets me, Paul, Tom Izzo team defending and rebounding. They scored 101 in regulation. 101. The Tom Izzo team scores 100 points. You got to win. So, you know. There we go. Enough whining on that. Let's move on. Try and uh, get some winners and give you some uh, some stocks. How about this? Well, as we coming down the stretch, and maybe a team to uh, to buy, maybe a team to sell. And well, one of them, boy, Paul, uh, my after 
maybe one of their most disappointing uh, parts of the season, uh, games of the season this week after their biggest win of the season. So this is the biggest roller coaster ride right now for the tradition-rich program like the Indiana Hoosiers. So they come from behind, and, and it wasn't just their big guy uh, that uh, that they rode in a Purdue comeback. I mean, they really got some, uh, some contributions uh, from his supporting cast, and then they were never in it at home against Iowa, but you got you got your eye on the Hoosiers. Yeah, I mean, I, I do. You know, they're obviously coming off that lopsided 90-68 uh, to 68 home loss at the hands of Iowa. And as you mentioned, just three days removed uh, from completing the regular season sweep of their uh, bitter in-state rival and highly ranked Purdue. But I'm not deterred. You know, I still believe that the Hoosiers could make some noise in March. Uh, and one of the most attractive aspects of this Indiana team uh, when I start peeling back the la- the layers uh, is the fact that they have not one, but they have two uh, players on the offensive line who can literally take a game over, uh, and they've both done it against big-time opponents, so they're not doing it against, you know, the, the non-conference teams in November and December. And first of all, you know, guys and gals who follow college basketball closely, they're certainly – uh, probably familiar with the exploits of their uh, 6'9 senior forward, Trace Jackson Davis. Uh, he's possibly, I mean, he should be a, a first-team All-America selection, one of the very best players in all of college basketball. You look at his season-long stat line just to see how he impacts the game uh, at every level, uh, at every point on the court. 20.3 points, 11.1 rebounds, 3.8 uh, assists. So almost four assists a game and then almost three blocks a game, 2.8 blocks a game. So he uh, impacts all phases of the game. And then you've got the freshman, 6'6 guard Jalen Hood uh, Scafino. Uh, he certainly uh, has displayed flashes of, of offensive greatness uh, at times this season, most recently in the Boilermakers 79-71 victory uh, over Indiana or over Purdue, rather, uh, on uh, February 25th that we referenced. Uh, in that game, he scored 35 points. He was 14 to 24 from the field, uh, grabbed seven rebounds. So he's a guy that can uh, take over a game offensively as well. Clearly, you wouldn't be getting value on Indiana if they hadn't been inconsistent. Their performance has certainly been choppy, to say the least. But when you got a guy inside that can dominate and score, you got a guy outside that can score. Uh, that's a pretty good combination come tournament time. You can still find them. Uh, out in the marketplace as high as, you know, 32 or so to one to win the title. So uh, Indiana might be worth a look as we get into March Madness. Yeah, and uh, also next week uh, at the United Center in Chicago as well for the Big Ten tournament because I think one thing that uh, it would, you know, what's happened in the Big Ten, you just don't know, man. I mean, Northwestern is hottest team. Purdue was number one at several stints. They've lost four of six. So, um, uh, you know, the Big Ten might not be as good, uh, as it uh, usually is, uh, but uh, also uh, Indiana is certainly a live, uh, a live participant uh, in the Big Ten tournament in uh, Chicago. All right, uh, you know, and I saw your tweet uh, maybe three weeks ago, three four weeks ago, that you were not real high as me- as many were on the Virginia Cavaliers. Uh, Virginia, I think at that time was in the top five. I think they got as high as to as maybe. Uh, number two in the country, and uh, I'll tell you what, Paul, uh, pretty good timing because you know they lost two of three, including 
15 at Boston College. And when you look at their uh, their net and their rankings and things like that, I guess you, I guess you got to go. Um, you know, but um, the, the Baylor win. I mean, they they still lost uh, that game at home uh, to Houston. So um, I don't know the 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 the, the Virginia Cavaliers. And you know, one thing that I notice about Virginia, Tony Bennett and his defense, and sometimes it was really compromising their offense. They've gotten better on offense, but they're not the suffering, uh, suffocating defense that they once were as well. Yeah, first of all, you know, all Virginia has to do uh, is this on this Saturday, March 4th, this defeat uh, Louisville, which is in last place uh, in the Atlantic Coast Conference. They beat them in Charlottesville, uh, and they're going to secure a share of the ACC regular season title. Uh, obviously, I acknowledge, you know, it's no secret that the uh, – once proud uh, Atlantic Coast Conference, uh, probably inarguably the worst Power Five conference in basketball this year. But like you said, uh, Virginia uh, ascended up the polls into the the top five earlier this year. And, uh, you know, a lot of people look at that, but uh, power rating people, myself included, uh, most of us didn't even have the Cavaliers in their top 30, uh, some maybe around 25. And the reason, they did have some good, uh, you know, points, data points in the non-conference. You mentioned the Baylor game. But in conference, uh, even before they started losing these games over the last week or so, they had some really close decisions. Uh, And as handicappers, you know, Virginia is going to be favored uh, in in a lot of games and probably even favored in a first-round NCAA tournament game at this point. Uh, But when you're playing a weaker competition – uh, and they're playing you close, playing you within single digits and competing to the last minute or so, that does raise a little bit of a uh, red flag. Uh, and by now, you know, the, although the major polls, you know, the pollsters, uh, the media members and, and coaches who vote in these polls, I hate to say it, but they're not typically as smart on these types of matters as the betting marketplace. You know, you always want to lean uh, your process toward the marketplace rather than the, uh, than the polls. So I'm looking at Virginia as a team to sell as we enter the March Madness uh, part of the season. They're obviously not going to be, st- uh, you know, bestowed a lot of love from the line maker uh, at this point. From this point, you know, forward, they've struggled mightily to be blunt about it in their last five games. Uh, they've defeated bottom feeders uh, Louisville and Notre Dame by just three and two points, respectively, and they lost uh, to both Boston College and North Carolina by a combined 23 points. Virginia 0-4-1 against the spread in its last five. Uh, I'll be looking for opportunities going forward in both the ACC tournament and then subsequently the NCAA tournament to fade Virginia if the price is right. There you go. Stock up on the Indiana Hoosiers and stock down on the Virginia Cavaliers uh, with Paul Stone. Let's stay in the uh, that uh, ACC for a second and look at uh, the Miami-Pitt game on Saturday. Miami, what a heck of a season uh, they've had uh, under Jim Laranaga. Uh, crushing, crushing loss to Florida State on Saturday. That Saturday was about as memorable of a of a, a regular season day that I can remember. Um, the Pitt Panthers were number one, numero uno, before the loss at South Bend to Notre Dame against the spread in Division One. A 333, whatever it is. I can't keep up. It's 331, 332. Paul, I know you know. Uh, but uh, Miami is six and a half, projected to be six and a half point favorites over Pitt. The Panthers uh, kind of 
picking up uh, the pieces after that loss in Mike Bray's last home game in South Bend. Yeah, I mean, looking at this game, uh, Jimmy, first of all, from Miami's perspective, uh, by the time that this Saturday, March 4th, rolls around, Miami would have had a full week to stew over last week's 85-84 home loss to Florida State. Uh, That's a game they led by 23 points at the half. Uh, The Canes have not played a game since. Uh, I'm sure uh, Jim Laranega and uh, his troops are anxious to get back on the floor uh, and atone for their basketball sins of uh, one week ago. Uh, The winner of this game, they're going to be guaranteed to earn at least a share of the regular season ACC title. Uh, again, they would. The winner of this game will share that title uh, with Virginia. Virginia beats Louisville on Saturday. So, uh, Pitt, you know, looking at their perspective now, you mentioned the uh, the loss at Notre Dame uh, last night on Wednesday, March first. Uh, lost eighty eight eighty one. They were in prime position uh, to win the crown outright until that loss. Uh, the Irish entering that game just two and sixteen in the ACC uh, just kind of sums up college basketball this season. Not only do I like the fact that Miami blew a 23-point halftime lead last weekend, I like the fact that in the first meeting between these teams back on January 28th, Miami led Pitt, this game obviously at Pittsburgh, led Pitt by double digits in both the first half and the second half, only to lose the game 71-68. I think on a number of fronts, Miami's just going to be in a foul mood. I think they're going to deliver their best punch against Pitt. I like Miami at six and a half or lower uh, against Pitt on Saturday. All right. Uh, uh, seg over to the uh, Big 12, the best uh, conference in the land. Some people a little bit uh, upset that maybe uh, West Virginia with a losing record uh, in the in conference play uh, is under consideration for a bid, only 17 to 13. But let me tell you, they love the metric. It used to be the RPI. Now it's the NET. And you have a top 25 NET team right now in West Virginia. They're in, okay, uh, after they go to Ames, Iowa, and beat Iowa State uh, straight up. Now they come back home for their season finale against Kansas State. Kansas State was a double-digit winner this week over Oklahoma as uh, boy, they just zoom it along. Another one of these unranked or uh, favored over unranked teams. There's been a lot of those, but – one uh, the ninety nine percent part of that is usually always at home. Mountaineers projected to be about a three point favorite here on uh, the regular season finale in Morgantown. And you you hit the, the you know the nail on the head there. One of the benefits when you're playing in the the nation's toughest conference is you get a lot of opportunities uh, at the uh, quad one wins, uh, which you know those are viewed like uh, gold by the selection committee. Uh, so even though they're just six and eleven at this point in Big Twelve uh, play, most bracketologists do indeed have West Virginia in the tournament field. And a victory this Saturday in Morgantown over eleventh ranked uh, Kansas State would certainly solidify the Mountaineers' chances of receiving uh, an invitation to the Big Dance. Kansas State that team's been a great story this year. They were picked certainly in the lower half of the Big Twelve by virtually everyone. Uh, but first-year head coach Jerome Tang, who was formerly an assistant uh, there at Baylor under Scott Drew, uh, he's really got the Wildcats uh, energized this season. But you look at their road performance, specifically their recent road performance, Kansas State's just won one of their last six games away from the Little Apple, uh, and that came this past Saturday, February 25th, uh, in Stillwater against Oklahoma State. 
In the first meeting between these clubs, West Virginia lost in overtime at Kansas State. They led by as many as 12 in that game in the first half. I think the Mountaineers are going to atone for that defeat here. I'll take the Mountaineers uh, at minus three or better to move a step closer to a berth in the NCAA tournament. Talking about uh, the Michigan State Spartans on uh, on Saturday, Paul, on how they shot 83% from three-point range in regulation. And, well, I knew I was in trouble when that thing headed to overtime. They can't do anything about that. How about the Auburn Tigers? They shoot 70% from three in Tuscaloosa in regulation. And uh, they they uh, go home a loser in overtime, 90-85. to 85. So, uh, Alabama, well, we know about all the distractions with Brandon Miller and uh, Nate Oates is, well, he needs a little bit of a PR uh, <clears throat> remedial class to start things off there. But uh, they're 0-3 since uh, a lot of the attention was on Miller before there was testified that Miller brought the gun, transported the gun. So the South Carolina scare in overtime, uh, they – Fall behind by nine at half to Arkansas. Very good second half against Arkansas, but Arkansas flurry at the end to cover that thing easily. Uh, and then last night, they don't cover the nine and a half or ten as well. So they're 0-3 ATS against the spread. They cut down the nets last night. They got the T-shirts as they secured the SEC championship. And now this little trip to College Station on Saturday where Buzz Peterson has, boy, he has gotten as much juice out of that uh, out of that orange as he possibly can in conference play. A&M at home is going to be a slight favorite, one and a half, two, something like that. The Alabama, the, how do we view this team overall in this in this specific game also, Paul? Yeah, and just to clarify, I'm, I'm projecting this line. Uh, I, I think Alabama's probably going to be a slight favorite. I've got Alabama projected as, as a point-and-a-half favorite okay. uh, there at, at Reed Arena on Saturday. But I think it's pretty much going to be a case, you know, probably that stays below two. If you pick the winner, you probably got the, the winner against the spread as well. Uh, but, you know, first of all, looking at this A&M team, you know, they came out of the gate really slowly. I mean, they lose to Wofford by five at home uh, on December 20th. Uh, at that point, they had already lost neutral site games to Murray, Colorado, and uh, Boise State. So, really came out of the gate slow. They're six and five a few days before Christmas. And I think at that point, I don't believe too many people had the Aggies pegged for an outright second place finish uh, in the Southeastern Conference, a 14 team conference. Right. But as you mentioned, Buzz Williams, he's got the Aggies uh, at 22 wins. Uh, they're nationally ranked. They will make the tournament this year. Uh, and they have a chance to uh, finish the conference uh, regular season at 15-3. and three. The Crimson Tide, they absolutely have the talent edge uh, in this game. But as you mentioned, they went to overtime Wednesday, uh, March 1st, yesterday, uh, against Auburn. They trailed by 17 points in that game. They come back, win the game in overtime, uh, clinch the outright regular season SEC title. As you said, they cut down the nets. Their last three games, Alabama's had two overtime games, and in between, they only beat Arkansas by three at home. There's a slogan in the SEC. I don't hear as much as I used to, but one of the many slogans on the SEC network, it just means more. And I think this one means more to Texas A&M. Alabama's probably already got the uh, number one seed, a number one seed wrapped up uh, for the tournament. Uh, the effort that they've uh, had to uh, put out the last three games, all the distractions surrounding Brandon Miller, which you mentioned. I just think the Aggies are in a far better spot emotionally 
And from a preparation standpoint here, uh, the Aggies 8-0 at Reed Arena and SEC play. Uh, I like the Aggies to win a close one. If this game's at pick or if A&M's getting a little bit of a, a point or two, uh, I like the Aggies at pick or better over Alabama on Saturday. I, I like that spot uh, for A&M as well. And Buzz Peterson about to take his third different school to the NCAA tournament, Marquette and Virginia Tech as well. When Scott Woodward hired him, it was kind of a, an attention grabber uh, in uh, in College Station. And, yes, well, if you've ever been to Hoover, Alabama for the SEC media days, you pull up to the Winfrey Hotel and they've got the logo and the um, and the slogan on the the side the whole hotel. They put they slam it means more. It just means more right in your face when you come there to the SEC. Very proud of that slogan. All right, uh, you know one thing about uh, the schedule makers they try and have uh, strategize a little bit and maybe put a game that might decide the conference. And that was certainly the case before the season started with a couple of preseason top 10 teams in Texas and Kansas. Texas does not have their coach anymore, and now Kansas uh, is, has it, uh, the conference locked up with Texas loss this week to TCU. But still, the interim coach done better than I anticipated. He's not Chris Beard, but he is, uh, he's kept it, uh, kept it together better than I expected. We're looking at Texas to be a, a slight favorite here at home. That new arena has been a little bit more lively than usual down in Austin. Texas is projected to be a two-point favorite over the Big 12 champion Kansas uh, Jayhawks. Yeah, defending uh, national champion Kansas. Here we go again. You know, people always try to act like uh, somebody's taken over the, uh, the, uh, the top slot in the Big 12, the premier program, but the Jayhawks, they just keep showing back up. But from mid-January to early February this year, you know, they stumped their toe a little bit, lost four out of five conference games. Uh, but in typical Kansas fashion, they've rallied to win their last seven games. Like Alabama, they've already clinched their conference title. They are the uh, regular season Big 12 champions. Texas, you know, they've been predictably, in my opinion, up and down uh, since former head coach Chris Beard first suspended in early December uh, and then later dismissed in early January after being uh, charged uh, on dis, uh, a d- domestic violence charge, which was uh, ultimately dropped. Texas comes into this game. They've dropped two games in a row, but those games on the road to a pair of nationally ranked teams, Baylor and TCU. So you don't, uh, d- you know, you don't deduct the Longhorns power rating uh, a whole lot based on those two games. But the Longhorns, they really need a victory. If that number two seed means anything to them, to get that number two seed, uh, a victory over Kansas at, at home uh, on Saturday would go a long way towards that end. Kansas, on the other hand, again, they've won the Big 12 regular season title. I think they've got a number one seed locked in. And here they have, quote, unquote, less to play for, uh, you know, at, uh, at first glance. If I can lay two or less, I'm not going to go huge, but at two points or less, I'll take Texas for a barbecue sandwich. But not any barbecue sandwich, Jimmy. I don't know if you've ever been to Austin, Texas, and had barbecue. But man, if there's a sign that says barbecue and you can smell it, in one mile radius of the restaurant, you really can't go wrong. So for a barbecue sandwich in Austin, Texas, I'm gonna take Texas minus two or less over Kansas. 
I, I need to get to Austin to get a barbecue sandwich. Yes, indeed, Paul. <laughs> so the uh, uh, for sure the South by Southwest her, uh, a festival in my uh, rearview mirror back in the college days. We used to go over there. Uh, let's go to the Big East: UConn and Villanova. Uh, Villanova, Justin Moore, man, he's having a hell of a run. The uh, the uh, Wildcats have uh, won six of their last seven. They have covered seven of their last eight. I'm sorry, um, seven of their last eight. Um, and so now they host the UConn Huskies, who kind of recaptured their early season form. They looking pretty sharp as of late. Huskies will be a, a, a road favorite here. You're projected to be around two-and-a-half-point favorite in, in Philadelphia. Yeah, I think last week it was that you and I, you know, we visited uh, on the on the podcast about teams being energized yeah. Uh, by the return of a, a key player. And one of the persons that we talked about was uh, Justin Moore, uh, who was out for about 10 months after suffering an Achilles injury uh, in last March's uh, Elite Eight game against Houston. But yeah. after that 10-month uh, layoff due to injury, he returned to the floor on January 29th. The Wildcats, clearly a different team with him on the floor. As you mentioned, they've won six of their last seven uh, entering Saturday's regular season finale at home against 14th ranked UConn you know UConn as you alluded to you know they flirted with being the the top ranked team in all of college basketball early in the year I think they climbed uh, as high as number two I don't think they were ever number one but I think they did get at least as high as number two they hit a little bit of a lull but now they found a a second wind Uh, they they did uh, you know they have shown some some chinks in their armor, uh, not as quite as invincible as they looked early on. But they have had, even later in the season, difficulty beating the better teams in the, in the Big East on the road. And, you know, in major conferences against good competition, it's hard to win on the road, no matter who you are. So in this case, uh, with uh, Justin Moore continuing uh, to play well, continuing to get his basketball legs under him, if I can get two or more points with Villanova Saturday in Philadelphia, uh, I'll side with Justin Moore and Nova uh, in this Big East clash. You know, one of the things that uh, Michigan State did not do was foul on last possession up three. And uh, that's one of the things that Wisconsin did not do on Sunday against Michigan and allowed Hunter Dickinson uh, to hit a throw. Yes, I understand it's low percentage, but no percentage works better than low percentage, and that's what Villanova did against Seton Hall. They fouled three different times, and uh, you know, traded, uh, uh, made made free throws back and forth, and then finally Seton Hall got uh, impatient and tried uh, a down the court pass, and it was intercepted, and that was it for them. But they were not going to let it come close to getting off a three. And you wonder why some more coaches, well, I know why they don't trust their players that they're going to follow them in the act of shooting. You know, I, I get that, but you got to let the coach it, man, coach it on the uh, catch, uh, you know, following a dribble on the catch, not on the shot. It's got to be coached in practice as well. All right. The last one, man, I'm looking forward to this one. Schedule makers definitely strategizing here. The top two teams in the Pac-12, and it's a big drop off after that. Even with Arizona State's uh, buzzer beater all net from about 50 feet uh, last week in Tucson. This was a, a, a game that I had a spot on. I had Arizona in the first one, and they won and covered. Um, 
the short number uh, in Tucson. Now they go back to UCLA. Both teams are in the top ten. It's going to be a late-night primetime game. I'll have to think that, well, Bill Walton, and late night, boy, this is going to be interesting. 9 o'clock central tip, uh, so 10 o'clock on the East Coast in Pauley Pavilion. UCLA is going to be laying maybe a handful or so, Paul. You're looking at maybe five and a half against the Arizona Wildcats. Yeah, of course, as, as you mentioned, this is a rematch of the game uh, on January 21st uh, at the McHale Center there in Tucson, uh, a game won by Arizona 58-52. Uh, that snapped a 14-game winning streak for UCLA. Uh, that defeat, it marked the only time this season that the Bruins have been held under 60 points. And uh, Arizona in that game, they uh, down low, the, the, the front court for Arizona, they kind of banged, uh, you know, banged around and bumped and, and bruised UCLA's big men and uh, kind of made it a, a slop fest and got their victory there. Uh, but the Bruins, as we mentioned earlier, like most top-shelf college basketball teams, they are a tough out uh, on their home uh, court. They're a perfect 15-0 and 0 at Poly Pavilion uh, entering this key uh, matchup on Saturday. These teams, year to year, they certainly change. But UCLA, they've defeated Arizona four straight times at uh, Poly Pavilion by an average of 14 points. Uh, so they have handled Arizona in the recent meetings uh, there in Los Angeles. Uh, again, Arizona's front line, if they can do the kind of job uh, they did uh, in the previous meeting in January. Uh, UCLA will have their hands full, but I believe the Bruins get redemption here. But I just don't know if they're going to cover the number. Uh, the line maker's not going to make it as low as some Bruin backers would like. You're going to have to pay a premium. As you mentioned, I project this line to be minus five and a half, uh, one of the best games on the entire Saturday card. Uh, but it's going to be a hard pass for me. Yeah, uh, uh, conference uh, revenge spots last Saturday, the high-profile games, was pretty uh, pretty effective. You know, Gonzaga's St. Mary's uh, winning and covering. Other rematch, Baylor against Texas. Um, you know, uh, uh, Villanova and Creighton, Arkansas against Alabama, they covered. Indiana-Purdue was the one that they finished off the sweep in, uh, in that one. We certainly paid attention. But it was it's, it's an angle that uh, several were using last week and was effective in the high-profile game. So UCLA in that uh, revenge spot there. And I might get caught again because I, I even got all the way at plus seven at St. Mary's. Even a buddy Matt Humans questioned it. I had to send him a screenshot. Yes, Matt, I did. <laughs> and so he uh, – he, uh, but that seems high for this Arizona team, doesn't it? It seems a little bit high. So we'll keep an eye on that one. So a lot of stuff, man. We're going to be uh, back next week uh, looking forward to uh, the conference tournaments. Uh, and then the uh, following week, we'll have all of the brackets as myself, Paul Stone, and Bruce Marshall will, uh, you know, look at those brackets and have to strategize. It's impossible to project and give picks on um, uh, on opinions on teams advancing to the Final Four without looking at the brackets. So we will see about that. Paul, anything else before we let you go? Oh, man, just looking forward to uh, to March Madness. You know, I kind of – kind of this – the beginning of March Madness for me is March 1st because some of these, um, you know, mid-major conference tournaments are well underway. We'll have some conference championship games and some bids handed out this weekend. So, uh, man, these next this next month, I think the national championship game, Monday, April 3rd, uh, down the road from me in Houston. It's going to be a fast and furious uh, next 30 or so days and really looking forward to it. One of the, the, my most favorite times of the sporting calendar. No doubt about it. Down the stretch we come in this college basketball season. For Paul Stone, I'm Jimmy Ott on the Sports Betters Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network.